This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Well, good morning, folks. Those that are gathered here in our chapel and those that will be either watching on television or listening on radio, welcome. Welcome to our fellowship here. Dr. Hansen, as you well, you don't know that, but I know that. He's out speaking at another church tomorrow, and so I will be here today. I'm, I like to be called EJ, but uh, I need to say I'm Dr. EJ Buckhart. Uh, I do happen to have a doctor's of theology, uh, which doesn't mean a whole lot, because you can have all the education in the world, and if you don't have the Holy Spirit operating with you, it's a worthwhile thing. Not a, uh, not a worthwhile thing. And I'll give you an example of that, of a pastor who's been a pastor for many years during this message, where he just learned that lesson. Amazing. Okay, I'm going to speak, actually, kind of a Bible study in a way, but it's on Haggai. And I've titled it, Comfort, Hope, and Holiness. The question we need to always ask is, what can we learn from Haggai, the prophet? That is a question we should ask about all Scripture. What can we learn when we read it? We know Scripture is for our enlightenment. Scripture is for our guide to Christ-like living. It's our instructions, and it is our, for our edification. As we open up in Haggai, in chapter 1, 5 through 7, it says, Consider your ways says the Lord. Consider your ways. How often do we stop and consider our ways? I'm sure when you get up in the morning, you say, consider, what am I going to do today? Or before you go to bed last night, what am I going to do tomorrow? Consider what you're going to do. Consider your ways. You need to take into account your lifestyle, your life choices. Are you going to live a worldly life? Or you're going to live a Christ-like life. Think about this and examine yourself. You live for the world, wealth, entertainment, pleasure, enjoyment, or do you live for Jesus Christ? Now let's take a look at the message of Haggai. I want to read the introduction in my Bible to Haggai. It's not in North Bible, but this in the one that I have. And it says, Haggai was a prophet among the Jews who returned to Jerusalem after the Babylonian captivity, writing these prophecies in the years of 520 B.C. He urged the return of exiles to make the rebuilding of the temple 
their highest priority. Their work was interrupted by the opposition of hostile neighbors. So Haggai prodded them to continue the work until the work Disney at the building of the church, until the temple was completed. The book of Haggai may serve as an example for Christians to work diligently at the building of the church. Even those that work may encounter temporary setbacks from hostile people. Nothing is more important than proclaiming the gospel by which Christ built his church. Haggai prophecy was back in the year of 520 B.C. I'd like a little side note there. Uh, B.C., before Christ. A.D., I had after death, but it's actually anno dominion. But now in the Gregorian calendar, we have some new times in these last days. They've changed that B.C. and A.D. to B.C.E. and C.E. C.E is the common error. And the B.C.E. is the before the common error. But anyway, the interesting thing about this is it still goes back, both sides, going to Jesus. Before and after. Except in the Jewish calendar, they still have, matter of fact, the year today is 5,785 years, is according to the Jewish calendar. So I was reading the other day, they said, what if people like 10,000 years ago? And the answer was, they really don't know. Well, I, got, I think I have an answer to that one. There wasn't any people back 10,000 years ago. But anyway, I like the idea before Christ and after his death. I like that better. Okay, there's two important points that we have in Haggai, Haggai that I want to point out. The first one is, I will. It's mentioned 12 times in two chapters. I will. I referring to God. And the second one is, is I am with you. And that's two times. If you want to take a quick look at it, I've just listed here. Uh, first one is in chapter 1, verse 8. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it. I will glorify, says the Lord. God says he will take pleasure in your work. Understand that. God takes pleasure in your work. We'll talk about that one a little bit later. In verse 6, Yep, uh, no, verse 8. Go to, the, oh, that's the one I read, wasn't it? The 8, verse 8. Okay. Oh, and then, then go to chapter 2. Verse 4. Oh, be strong, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord. That's the one with I am with you. Verse 7, or verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once in a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth, and the sea and the dry lands, and I will shake the nations, I, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. In verse 9. It says, the Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord. 
And then over at the end of uh, Haggai in verse 22, And I will overthrow the thongs of the kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of thy brethren, and I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. In that day, says the Lord, I will take, take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, and the son, and the Lord, and will shake thee as a signet. I have chosen thee, says the Lord. I will overthrow. I will. I'm thinking of Israel right now, what Israel is going through at this time. A war against evil. But the Lord is telling Israel, I will be with you. I will you see it through. Now, that's the promise of the Lord. If we don't obey that promise and stand on that promise, we'll be, which side will we be on? God says he will. Will I choose him? Will I support him at all cost? Also, when we're talking about I will be with you, remember the words of Joshua. Four times in the first chapter, he says, I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Be strong and of good courage and be not afraid. I think this is something we need to respond to on a daily basis. God says, I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. But you need to be strong and courageous. We have to do that. We have to be strong and courageous and be not afraid. Fear not. How many times in our lives have we had fear? I can remember the first time when I got laid off of my job. I had a very good job. I was a pilot working for Northwest Airlines. December 23rd, just before that famous day people call Christmas, I got a layoff notice. Effective January 4th, after the holiday season. Man, I just lost my job. I don't know how long it's going to be. If you're laid off for two years, you lose your, that's it. You no longer go back to work. Well, I took a couple days off and just kind of relaxed a little bit, did a few things. Got, found myself a job working at Sears and Roebuck. And I've been with them many times on and off. That was the first time. And it happened the second time. And the third time, both on December 23rd. Now, one of them lasted for over years, for over one year. Most of the others were less than six months. One was for a week. But I learned through this, you have to go to work. Just because you lost your job, you go out and find another job, you go to work. The Lord says, work. We just can't sit around and wait for the Lord to say, okay, open up the doors, Lord, and I'll just wait here until the answer comes. No, he's given us a mind. He's given us the ability to work. Unless for some unknown reason, we're totally disabled which then the Lord will still see us through. <clears throat> Are not these words for us today? Now the message for Haggai to three different 
people, so to speak. In chapter 2, verse 2 to 4, the first one is the governor. The governor would be the leadership of the nation. The second one is to the priest. I call that the pastors and the religious leaders. And the third one is the people, the congregations. <clears throat> so if you look at chapter 2, verses 2 to 4, verse uh, 2 basically, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and to jo Joshua, the high priest, and to the residue of the people. And verse 4 says, Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, and be strong, Joshua, and be strong, all ye people, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord. Great promises of God. And you look at the way you started out with, consider your ways, which I want you to do today. Consider your ways. And it actually happens four times in Scripture here. I'll give you the chapters. There's chapter 1, verse 5 and 7. Chapter 2, verse 15 and 18. Consider your ways. Are your ways God's ways? Or are your ways your way? Your ways versus God's ways. They're not the same. Your ways, you live for yourself. Me, myself, and I. That's the triunity of the individual. Me, myself, and I. And I think you all know some people that live that way. Me, myself, and I. And then we have the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is the way we need to live. God's way is to live for Christ and others. We just don't live to serve Christ. We also live to serve others through the love of Christ. So I ask yourself to examine your life today. Examine your life today. Does your life line up with the Word of God? Now that implies something. How do I know if my life lines up with the Word of God? First of all, you've got to know the Word of God. And how do you know the Word of God? Well, there's a couple ways you can do it. You can listen to people that preach and teach. You can read the Word. You can listen to it nowadays on your telephone or your phone, the Bible, or on your computer. But it's the Word of God. You have to know the Word of God if you want to live a life that lines up with the Word. Now, next thing that's interesting that I saw in, in uh, Haggai, it says, Haggai spoke, to, the Lord spoke to Haggai. The Lord spoke to Haggai. But he stirred up the lives of the governor and the lives of the priest and of the people. God speaks through his prophets. But he stirs up yours and my heart to do his will. When God stirs us up, it's Him that's stirring us up. It's not our idea. We don't stir up our life. God stirs it up within us, Lord. 
And then God uses people to do his work here on earth. Once the Lord has stirred up with life, like he did the governor, the priest, and the people, they did what he said, they went to work, and they served the Lord. Question. Has the Lord stirred up your spirit in these recent days? Have you given him a chance to stir up your spirit? Have you taken some time set aside during the day or during the night? Say, Lord, stir my heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to work through me. You have a choice. We all have a choice. That's a famous liberal woke thing right now is choice. You have the right to choose. Well, as Christians, we got the right to choose too. There's nothing, anything wrong with the word choice. We have a choice. We can serve God or we can serve ourselves. We can serve God or serve the world. We have to make that choice. Just as a woman and a husband, they have to make the choice whether to get pregnant. That's their choice. The choice to kill the baby is not their choice. That's against the commandments of God and it's against life, period. So we have to be careful. We have to make the right choice to start with, not to have a problem down the road. If we choose to have a baby, we need to choose to give life to that baby. The choice comes back here, what do I do? Do I work at this job? Do I do this? Do I do that? We have that choice to quit. But then we need to do what that job asks us to do. You need to be a good employee. And I remember in David Wilkinson's prayer book, Devotions, he talks about uh, a gentleman who had two ladies that worked in his office. They were amazing women. They did everything right. And normally he didn't find this in his employees. So he had to do some research. And he found out that they went to David Wilkinson Church in Temple at uh, the church in New York City. So this gentleman went to see, the, to see David Wilkinson and see why did these women do what they do. Now, believe it or not, he was a Jew. When would a Jew walk into a church door? When would a Jew go to a revival meeting? The only reason the Jew came into his church because these two ladies were Christ-like. And he wanted to see that. Here was a Jewish man that came to know the Messiah. So what you do at your job is important. You need to be a good employee. At least to do the best you can. Not to gripe, not to complain. But be what you can be. God created us to work and to do a good job to the best of our abilities. In chapter 2, verse 4 again, here is the key that Haggai has for us today. The last part of it says, Be strong, I am with you. Do my work. That's a command. It's a promise. So if you don't think you can do well, you're not listening to the promises of God. He says, Be strong, I will be with you. In all that you do, all that you do, your relationship to your brothers, your sisters, to your husband, to your wife, to your family, to your relatives, to your pastor, to your boss. It's important. 
That's one of the key messages I found in Haggai. We need to be responsible and do the best we can do. I remember sitting on an airplane, commuting back from Detroit to Seattle. <clears throat> the gentleman next to me was a businessman. He owned four or five U-Haul companies, U-Haul places. Now this is back 25 years ago. And we were talking and he says, you know, the hardest thing I have is to find employees who want to work 100%. He says, what they come nowadays, they, what do I need to keep, to keep this job? If I get paid this, what do I have to do for that? They want to do 70%, just enough to get by. He says, it's hard to find an employee that's willing to work hard at what they've been called to do. That's 25 years ago. Boy, a day, if you look out there, it's, it's a lot different. Nobody wants to work. Well, I shouldn't say nobody, but there, a lot of people, they don't want to work because they've been able to get blessed and receive what they need, not have to go to work. That is not scripture. So any of you that are out there not working because you figure, I don't need to go to work, I challenge you, if you're a Christian, take heed that you need to work. You need to provide for yourself and your family. And if you go to work, God will provide. If you sit at home and do nothing, don't expect God to provide. You gotta get out there and work. Now when you get older, and to the point to where you physically cannot maybe do the work that you did as a construction man, God will still provide if you did well. I'll guarantee you that, because God is not a liar. He will provide for you if you follow his commands. Tune in tomorrow as Reverend Dr. E.J. Buckhart continues with his message, Haggai, Comfort, Hope, and Holiness. Reverend Dr. Jonathan Hansen has written a book titled The Science of Judgment. God is predictable. There is a scientific pattern for the rise and fall of nations throughout history. We need to understand the laws or the rules of design regarding prophecy and judgment. When it comes to the laws of judgment and prophecy, denominational or personal belief systems have nothing to do with the reality or the certainty of the rule of judgment. Dr. Hansen's objective is to warn leaders of nations of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the plagues or judgments that are coming upon these peoples and nations that reject Jesus Christ as Savior according to the Scriptures. Dr. Ronald E. Cottle, founder and president of Christian Life School of Theology, states that this book is a must-read for Christians and other leaders in the United States and in other nations. It is clear, powerful, and well-reasoned. We all owe a debt of gratitude to Dr. Jonathan Hansen for the years that have gone into the research and writing of The Science of Judgment. This book has more than 300 pages, divided up in five sections. Part 1, The Science of Judgment, has chapters titled such as The Laws Regarding Prophecy and Judgment, Patterns of Apostasy, Purpose of Chastisement, Standards for Justice and Mercy, God Forgives When People Repent, God Holds Nations Responsible for What Leaders Do, Parental Responsibility, The Feasts of the Lord, Solomon's Transgressions and Their Consequences, Righteous Kings versus Evil Kings, Example of King Jehoshaphat, Ungodly Alliances, God is Predictable, God Holds People Accountable, Man Can Turn into an Intelligent Beast to Do Evil. Section 2, The Deception of the Theory of Evolution, has chapters titled as Problems with the Theory of Evolution, Evolution and Racism, 
Darwin's hatred of Christianity and its fruit. Section 3, Why Must There Be Judgment, has titles such as The Fall of America and Her Destruction, Cult Christianity, Radical Liberal Politics. Section 4, Kings, Dictators, and Presidents, with the following chapters listed as People Choose Their Nation's Leaders, Qualifications for Godly Leadership, Romans 13, Delegated Authority, Satan is in charge of this world, not Jesus. If laws violate conscience, we must disobey. Finally, part five, so what must we do? These chapters are listed as, we are in a cultural war, our responsibility to a hostile government, the Christian's science of judgment. With turmoil ever increasing throughout the nations, as Bible prophecy is coming to life right before our very eyes, one must read the science of judgment to have a clear understanding of these events and the reasons why. Call 360-629-5248, 360-629-5248, that is 360-629-5248, and request your copy of The Science of Judgment for a donation of $35 or more, plus shipping and handling. Thank you, and Shalom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.